the truth is out there. And here, who knows? But either way, we're opening up the Bloom Files here on Post Show Recaps, an X-Files first watch slash rewatch podcast. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here, joined, of course, by my co-host and lovely wife, Angela. Though I guess I should have been saying lights, camera, action. OMG. Um, sure, yeah, you could have said that. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, just the, the, the soft response. Of, yeah, I guess. I been, guess. That so. would have been a fine alternate opening, I um, suppose. Well, considering right before we hopped on, you had to pause for a good 20 seconds and say, how does this podcast start again? All right, listen, I'll admit I do a lot of podcasts. <laughs> no, they you? have very unique openings. This isn't the only podcast you do? I'm sorry. I've been seeing other podcasts. Oh, well... <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> oh, no, I haven't been that surreptitious with my... You have not, unfortunately. ...fooling around from an audio perspective? No, but um, speaking of audio, let's talk about that Lazarus Bowl. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's a good one. That's I good. Think it's like, speaking of audio, let's podcast, <laughs> I suppose. But you really upped that from like a C segue, I would say, to like a, a segue. Thank you. About that Lazarus Bowl, that like... S- sort of phonograph, yeah, sort of, sort of fake phonograph, Bible era phonograph, or whatever. Yeah, I guess it was the phonograph, right? Back during like Thomas Edison's yeah. time, the thing with the grooves in it. Yeah, where you would etch uh, into the grooves the sound. But uh, yeah, so we're talking about yeah. two episodes. We're, we're rounding the bend here on the X Files season seven. We're talking about episode nineteen mm-hmm. of season seven, Hollywood AD, and episode twenty, season seven, Fight Club. That, to be honest. Almost seems like it could have been made by the same schlocky people who made Hollywood AD. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Um, but I do love this episode. Hollywood AD. Yeah. Yes. Not the other one. We'll talk about the other <laughs> one. Hollywood AD is very fun. And I can imagine this is another Duchovny joint. This right? is a Duchovny one. I mean, obviously, yeah. he wrote in his own wife at the time <laughs> oh my god yeah, we're gonna talk about that but yeah but this, it is very meta it's very oh, funny yeah, it's very like tongue-in-cheek the most meta we've talked about other meta x-files episodes right things like bad blood where it's like hey, yeah we're acknowledging how these characters are this is fully we're acknowledging that we're on a television show we are broadly sketching out what the x-files is largely received as yeah and talking about it on the show in the universe of the x-files yes proper. exactly um but I love it. It's, it's so it's fun. It's a really fun one, and it's one of those things where, like, it's it's almost like... It's uh, really well done, too. Yeah, I don't like, think it's too over the that's top. That's the thing. It's like, hey, we'll do, you know, 200 for you. We do one for ourselves. This is kind of the one for themselves. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also entertaining at the same time. Yeah, and I do think there is an element of, okay, so the first half of the episode is sort of the plot of what becomes the movie. Yeah, this is a really so interesting... It story. ties up pretty quickly, and then you're like, well, what happens next? And all of a sudden, they're getting reprimanded in Skinner's office and being told to take a leave and during that leave they decide to go to hollywood and like see the movie being made so that's the thing is that i really enjoyed this episode but i was a i don't know i i still don't know (laughs) what to think of the framing device because like how we essentially open on an x-file this random storyline we then get a backfill into the storyline proper Mm -hmm. and then it plays through into it yeah and so i guess you're supposed to kind of see it from the point of view of somebody observing, I guess, at points. So you're kind of like Wayne Feld Fetterman or whatever. Like you're supposed to be that guy mm-hmm. at certain points. But I think they intend for you to just drop in like it's next file. Like right. not realize that at some point, you know, we're gonna go Hollywood here. Yeah, which is weird then why we start with, yes. <laughs> with this scene, right? Because I yeah. totally agree. Like that would make yeah. more sense, but we start and I guess you can't resist this type of opening, right? No, it's, it's so quite funny. Literally big budget we have. A, yeah, 
fake Mulder under attack by sniper zombies. Yes, just by sniper zombies. It almost reminds me of um, what's the what's the oh Scrooge to where yeah, it's like that TV commercial about Santa and saving the North Pole and he has machine guns and it's I forget what it actually is, but it's like that sort of vibe yeah, where it's like, like, say, like Santa saves Christmas. Yeah, Santa anyway. saves Christmas and it's like and he's like got machine gun. You know, it's like that kind of thing. So I do feel like it's very much so that like hokey vibe. Well, I think it's also very evocative. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, I was listening to to Renap and they were talking about how the late 90s really was like the prime era for popcorn flicks. Like, oh, yeah. Between like Titanic, Independence mm-hmm. Day, Con Air, like there are just a lot of schlocky, less, you know... Uh, less inward- well thought out. Yeah, like things. inwardly dramatic yes. uh, movies. And so I think this is really a take on that era in Hollywood. Yeah, very right? like surface level Hollywood movie where it is like there are beats that they're hitting of action, 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 romance, action, action, romance, you know, the speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like very much so in that vein. And I do uh, appreciate how aggressively so it is. <laughs> exactly. Like sniper zombies and, you know, the cigarette smoking pontiff. pontiff yeah. <laughs> really all you need. But of course, we also have the celebrity casting. And that's the other thing, too, is, is I kind of wish that we hadn't had the celebrity casting be revealed yes. until later on. But here we have Movie Mulder being played by Gary Shanley. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Movie Scully being played by but Taya Leone. <laughs> yeah, this is weird in so many ways. This feels like a psychiatrist session yeah. just pressed into a character. <laughs> yup, because like, oh man, what is that about? Mulder casting his then wife as like movie Scully, who knows? Yeah. But um, the casting of Gary Shanling was, um, he's a friend of David Duchovny, apparently, um, but he was also originally asked to play Morris Fletcher in Dreamland, oh, and they oh. couldn't get him for that oh, or something. Right. I, think, I think we talked about that. Yeah, he yeah. was. He just wasn't available, and so, like, he, um, you know, he definitely was going to be brought back for something. Are you a, a Gary Shandling fan? Not really. <laughs> have you have you seen anything that he's done? No, but I do hear that there's the Larry Sanders show. I watched. I really enjoyed the Larry. So Sanders is David show. Duchovny also on that show? I no, that was uh, Jeremy Piven was on the Larry. Sanders oh, show. I see. Okay. Um, uh, no, I think there were. I think he was just. I think maybe he was in like a movie that David Duchovny mm, did or mm-hmm. something. But yeah, Gary Shandling had that. He had the. Uh, the Gary, Sh- it's Gary Shandling show. Which you know, was like- yeah, I don't know much about it, but I guess there was a joke in this episode where um, he like jokes about Gary Shandling having a crush on Mulder, and it comes from like a reoccurring joke that was on that TV show about I don't I don't know. People Went over would, my head. People would have to write in. I, my, yeah. my mind is very blank right now on Larry Sanders. I've seen a lot of it, but I, don't I haven't seen a lot any of, of it. it. Uh, so we see that, of course, you know. In this version, Mulder and Scully have like a hot makeout in what are they in like a, a grave? In, yeah, so basically they're being attacked by the zomber snipers and zombies. Zomber snipers. The zombie snipers and they like roll down a hill and they fall into an open grave into a casket. And then they start making and it. And then they start making it. And out. everyone's laughing. Everyone's laughing. And then she's like, Oh, is that a flashlight in your pocket? And he's like, Oh, yeah, it's a flashlight. Like, it's like so stupid. Um, Spencer had something interesting that he wrote in that apparently if you look at like the crowd, mm-hmm. there are a couple of other Hollywood yes. in there, right? Uh, I think he wrote David Allen Greer was yes. the one that I remembered. Uh, oh, and uh, and Mini Driver. Mini Driver was the one that I there's, there's, heard of, and then had to like rewatch. That's to wild see it. that they he did not bring them in to like do at least. They were something. probably yeah. I guess not. I don't know, like, but they were essentially day players, like mm-hmm. extras. Um, but I think and Chris Carter's in there too. Oh, is he? Okay, yeah. Um, 
The other thing to note about this is that there's a lot of commentary about who will play Mulder, who's going to play Scully. And I guess they would always joke on set that if there was a movie about this, that Richard Gere would play Mulder because their acting style is very similar. And like, I do kind of see that, especially in the early 90s. Like, it is a very similar vibe. I think the company would have done in Pretty Woman. (laughs) Fine. You know, very similar vibe. And then they also said that Jodie Foster would play Scully. Well, so no, that's actually cuts in really nicely. Yeah. We see Mulder stands up. He's had enough of this. He turns to Skinner, who's sitting there. He nods approvingly. And now we cut back, what, like eight weeks. Yeah. And as they're talking through this case, which we'll get into, there is a guy sitting on a couch, mm-hmm. like talking into a, uh, a, a tape recorder. Yeah. Almost, like, you know, giving out his own inner thoughts. And he does call Scully Jodie Foster's foster child on a payless budget. Yeah, exactly. And I do think there's something to be said. So David Duchovny is quoted in saying somewhere that like he originally wrote the teaser for the episode with Jodie Foster, Richard Gere in mind, like mm-hmm. thinking that would it could be them. And then was like, you know what? It's just so much funnier than it's Gary Shanley and Taylor yeah. Leone. Like they're not like, well, I think it'd be really funny. Yeah. Cause, cause well, that's a runner. They're not really episode, superstars. Right? Like but, well, it's also the thing that like Mulder thinks that mm-hmm. he has that status. And it's like, Oh no, actually you've been cast by Gary Shanley. Yeah. Like, no offense to Gary Shanley. Well, and like, I think it's funny when they ask who's Skinner in the movie and he says, Oh, Richard Gere. Yeah. <laughs> I also like how this guy calls, uh, he the calls Mulder. Man. Uh, Jehovah's Witness meets Harrison Ford in Witness. <laughs> yeah, it's like, funny. Like, that is a niche 90s reference. Niche, but, like, pretty spot on. I don't think I've ever seen Witness. I mean, it's fine, but I just do... I If you look at the... You wouldn't think about him looking like Harrison Ford, yeah. but then, like, you say it, and it's like, oh, yeah, I could see they that. They both have that middle part hair, so I think Well, and, like, they have pretty strong jawlines in the yeah. 90s. I mean, I it's obviously... It's hard to think about them both now looking the same, because mm. they age differently, but mm-hmm. at that time... Yeah, I would say it. So, yeah, you mentioned the skin man. So who is this guy? So he's an old college buddy of Walter Skinner. Which is weird, though, because, like, wasn't he in the army? Like, Yeah, but I think that he, you know, went to school as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically he's an old, an old school buddy of, uh, of Skinner's. And so he is writing a movie about... He says he's he's writing an FBI flick Mm. and he hasn't really thought of the plot yet. And he's just coming in to get the flavor, (laughs) Um, which I found funny. What a flavor it is, because here's the other thing is like, as funny as this episode is, there's actually a pretty dark X-File involved here. Yeah, it's funny because I do think that there's a a few facts as well. I read about this that like Mulder, not Mulder, Duchovny wrote a book a novel that mm. was like based on his research that he did here about like the like uh like latter day saints yeah forgeries of I don't know writings. I didn't I didn't look too much into it but I guess that he must have done a lot of research and I mean I've that's a that's a big thing the Mary Magdalene yeah I mean stuff. I, I was telling you while we were reading this uh, watching this that like this plot seems like something out of a Dan Brown novel right well like, it is uh, that is what the, the Da Vinci the hidden, Code is <laughs> in teachings of Jesus that the church doesn't want you to know about well and that is what the Da Vinci Code is right, spoiler exactly. alert is yeah. the Gospel of Mary Magdalene and how like it existed and blah 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 but I mean that's all neither here nor there because um it's all fake anyway exactly but it's I a fake it, of a fake <laughs> it's kind of interesting comparisons yeah it's interesting well and you think about it, it's like oh what kind of episode would this be if it was just about that would be i'd be kind of interested to see it yeah like it, the the x-file itself seems really intriguing because i know that look we just talked last week even about episodes that take a look at religion but mm-hmm. like to see sort of like an odd almost like civil war going on yes is, yeah is really interesting in and of itself uh, yeah it's the hollywood worthy so yeah so they basically got called into work on a case where a pipe bomb went off in a church basement a pipe bomb went off in a church basement and um 
Mulder and Scully are aware that this guy, Cardinal Fallon, is a big deal. He's basically the only American priest that has his name in contention to become the next post. And Andy, he's, a, he's a, you know, swarthy as well, right? He's cracking jokes when they're... Yeah, he seems inve- like he's fine. Like, he, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He doesn't seem like a, like, necessarily, like... Um, CD individual. He's yeah. just a he's just a cardinal. <laughs> Does he play by anyone notable? He sort of remind me a bit of like Jonathan Price, but obviously I, it's not like Jonathan Price. Honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I can look it up really quickly. Yeah, so uh, Harris Yulin. Yeah, uh, oh, he was in Ghostbusters too. Scarface, looking for. He seems like he gets around. Yeah, one of those guys. But basically, so Mulder goes off with the writer. Uh, to sort of investigate the crime scene, the site of the bombing. And mm-hmm. basically, you know, Mulder feels like this was more of a terrorist act than like an actual attempt to murder yeah. somebody. Um, and so there's also yeah, some comedic stuff about phones. Yeah, some really fantastic early 2000s <laughs> work where like you hear a blaring cell phone chirp and it's like, it's not my phone, not my phone, not my phone. I mean, Think about how much the seven years have changed for the X-Files since it started that there's yeah. a scene where, like, everybody has a cell phone. No, it's true. And then, so, basically, yeah, their phones are ringing, and they find that it's the phone of Micah Hoffman, who is a uh, counterculture guy who, like, went missing a long time ago. Right. Mulder, he's one of, like, Mulder's fanboy obsession. Yeah, like, he's all about conspiracies and, and the like, and he does, um, I guess the issue is that he does a lot of, um, uh, like counterfeiting yeah um, uh, so they're gonna go to his hideout because they believe that he's dead right this is yes. found on a dead body uh this is also meanwhile what's his name fetterman is the hollywood writer guy. he's with them <laughs> and he's throwing out one-liners right from dharma bum to dharma bomb from counterculture to counterfeiter <laughs> yeah like total like i guess you could say like novel stuff yeah it's weird though because it does yeah because it does almost feel like he's uh more so talking about headlines than i think he would <laughs> maybe he's talking about like movie taglines yeah movie taglines like a trailer or something <laughs> exactly so they go to his hideout and this is where like you mentioned they end up finding this text just sort of sitting around yeah so this is his apartment they find like all the bombs and they find a bunch of counterfeit stuff including the forged gospel of mary magdalene right which um, is basically like the the epilogue yeah yeah testament yeah basically it's supposed to be like which okay is what the, the book of mormon is as well <laughs> yeah but they do think like that you know the the supposed gospel of mary magdalene is like oh she played a bigger part in all of this than than was thought and she actually had an opinion and she wasn't just like a like a side player yeah and i believe that this is also the the third book is also talks about like jesus's life post resurrection yes because well. the yeah. new testament correct me if i'm wrong don't know much about the new testament admittedly but uh it does sort of end on a bit of a cliffhanger where they roll the rock away from the cave and he's gone well there's some more after that there's oh, okay. doubting thomas and all that but um, yeah, no, it's not like it goes on and on, but, um, yeah, so they, they find this and they decide that Mulder and, uh, the, and Fetterman are going to mm-hmm. go back to the catacombs and like look around a little bit. And when they do, <laughs> holy, this is wild. holy Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. The beginning bit is like very much so they're just like finding artifacts, I yeah, guess. But then and pieces of this gospel Fetterman stumbles upon a bunch of bones <laughs> that start assembling into a skeleton. Yeah, so that he wanders off and he stumbles upon these bones and they're not assembling into a skeleton. What they're doing is assembling the bowl, the Lazarus bowl, mm-hmm. or what will 
the yeah. sound they're trying to like put together this pottery. But it's still done in such like a claymation way. Yeah, it's done in like that Hollywood not Hollywood, Halloween, um, you know, the one with the dancing skeletons, that like cartoon. Mm-hmm. Is that Mickey Mouse? I think no, I think it's another one of those like black and white. Yeah, I don't believe it. You know, with like the dancing skeletons, and they all like come together, or it's the uh, um, the end of um, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. (laughs) I don't think I ever watched. I think Bedknobs and Broomsticks was was too long of a movie. I always stopped when the animals were playing. We never watched it together. I don't. We we watched most of it together with Asher, but I don't think it's it's a long movie. It is a long movie, it's like two hours long. Well, to sum it up, at the end of Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, they all come back and Nazis land on the shore. Oh, sniper uh, zombies! Sniper zombies, and they defeat them by animating um, knights, uh, but in armor, and also a bunch of like um, like shoes and and knickknacks oh, and stuff. Yeah, this rings a bell because she's able to because they get the necklace from the lion. Yeah, when in doubt, Angela Lansbury will save the day i mean angela's know what's up exactly so yeah so this is a wild effect again this is not the hollywood section of the episode no and i i even mentioned when we were watching it i was like this is another one of those x-files things where nobody else is in in the room with them so there's no guarantee that this actually happened it's most likely that this guy is like oh okay like he thinks it happened or yeah, he like or made it up or tripping on fumes maybe or in the retelling of this has elaborated yeah because basically you know now we sort of get Fetterman severing ties with Mulder and Scully he says he <laughs> he's like got enough <laughs> but he does walk out doing one sort of big character distillation right like you're both crazy Mulder yeah. you're crazy for believing Scully you're crazy for not believing in what Mulder's believing in. yeah exactly you crazy kids just make it work yeah, and so then he leaves, and we assume he's back off to Hollywood to start making this movie. And that assumption will be uh, followed up on very soon. But for now, let's talk about the Lazarus Bowl. Let's yeah, so they find this pottery, and uh, Scully tells Mulder of the whole Lazarus thing. <laughs> but she learned it from... Her aunt. <laughs> Sister Spooky. Oh, no, yeah, Sister Spooky, who says that the aunt of Lazarus was making a clay bowl in the room when Jesus resurrected Lazarus. You know, when you're just like doing pottery in the corner while, well, while, you're, some, while your dead nephew is in a pit. This, pot, this pot's not going to make itself. Yeah, and so I guess that the myth is that what, because she was spinning the clay at that time, it was imbued with the, like, the speaking of the words of Christ recorded right. into the Almost crucible. Almost as if it was she a record. was accidentally recording. A record, yeah. yeah. And it's this actually the, funny. The Watergate of Lazarus. It's funny because on an episode of Mythbusters, mm-hmm. they play scenes from this episode of the X Files. Oh, do they? Because there's a whole Mythbusters episode about can you record into pottery? Like, can you record music into pottery? And it was busted. Like you can't. Like you can't. Is what it said. Yeah. So I just like that they used episode. They used like scenes from this. This episode. It's a pretty wild thing to think about. I mean, it doesn't, it's not totally off base. I mean, I mean if I, you're going to make grooves into a record and record things into that, what's, you know, who's to say? I suppose. So. I don't know the science behind yeah, record maybe, maybe making, though. Vinyl is more even than, than clay. I don't know. Well, we do get a little bit of a blast from the past, though. You had to sort of remind me who this guy was. Yes. So this is Chuck. Chuck, Chuck Burks. But I think I know him as, he seems to be sort of like the go-to guy for artifacts from my perspective. Yeah. I believe the last time I saw him was Scully consulted with him about the, the plates, the alien plates. Yeah, and he's that. also in the movies too, I think. Um, like I, or maybe in one of the movies. I forget, but basically he, yeah, he, the plates from Africa. Um, he's somebody who like, has an interest in like artifacts or yeah. whatever. 
So, but basically, like, like you said, like they say, hey, go investigate this. Uh, they're going to follow up with the Cardinal who reveals that he and Micah Hoffman have a bit of a history. Yeah. So basically, Micah Hoffman came to him with the forgery of the Mary Magdalene gospel. Mm-hmm. He was under the impression that it was real. So he didn't know it was a forger at the time. And so he bought it off of him in order to hide it because he didn't want it to come out. Right. He says that, the, uh, you know, it, it exploded a bomb in his heart. Yeah. That's because, how saddened he was. Because it wasn't his Christ. It wasn't, didn't have Hashtag a place. not my Christ. Yeah. Didn't have a place for him in, um, you know, in his religious teachings. And then he's, you know, you can kind of tell he's a little embarrassed because he finds out it's like fake. <laughs> like this, he's a big deal, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's a long way for him to fall should he be shamed in this regard. Yeah, and I don't think that's, you know, bound to happen, but... um And it will, you know, he goes to pretty extreme measures to yes. keep things under wraps. Uh Meanwhile... This is when Fetterman calls Mulder. We talked about this before. He reveals like, oh, hey, buddy, I just wrote this movie and there's a character loosely based on. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what happens with the Richard Gere joke. But I more so want to focus on what happens with our requisite autopsy. Right. So <laughs> we're doing an autopsy of what is not Hoffman's body. But, but they think But is. they think is Hoffman's body. And Scully starts hallucinating where he's coming back to life and begins talking. He starts to do shtick. Yeah. Because this guy's like a, like comedic. And he's like, hey, he's like, yeah, he's what are you like doing with your hands like, in my chest? Yeah, like, like smooth talking con man. Yeah. And so she does this. And then later when they're back at the church, she also hallucinates him on the cross, on the cross being a little sticky too. I'm, I'm very confused by this. I'm not sure what to make of it either. I, I don't know. Maybe it was like just something was telling Scully. He wasn't dead, maybe? I'm not sure. Was it like a dream? Did she conk out in the middle of the autopsy? Well, she was hallucinating. I don't know why, though. Yeah, maybe maybe, <laughs> there, maybe it really is like the there were fumes in the basement maybe. of that church or in the last hall, and, uh, and, they, and people have just been sniffing them. Sort of like what happened with that mushroom episode. Right. Well, and I guess while they're in the church, too, it, we, I'm, we're kind of bouncing around because I do think the thing with the bull comes first, does it? The bull, the, no, the, well, the, the, they give the bull away. They don't find out about the bull until after Skinner reams them out. Oh, right. Okay. So basically, um, they're in the church and all of a sudden, um, Hoffman just like walks through the door. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're going to, uh, they're going to arrest the cardinal for murder. And then it's like, wait a minute, Hoffman's here right now. Yeah, so he didn't kill anybody, or, well, he killed somebody, but it wasn't Hoffman. And so they're in big trouble. Yeah, because not only have they put, they've accused this, uh, like, really high-powered cardinal of a crime Mm -hmm. that could put the FBI in a huge amount of jeopardy, but they've also done an autopsy on a body that was unidentified. Incorrectly. Yeah, exactly. And I love Skinner's line, uh, cause they said like, oh yeah, you know, he, he had his cell phone on him and mm-hmm. he says, if I'm carrying Marilyn Monroe's purse, do you expect I slept with JFK? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, saying it's a huge leap in logic would be an understatement, but I just love the imagery that that provides. Yeah, because I think this was also a little bit like phoned in, in a way to get them to, Hollywood. Yeah. Because like, be like, hey, take some time off. Yeah. Because like, I'm sorry, but the guy had the guy's foot. He was like, burn beyond belief. Like, I think it was totally valid that they did an autopsy on this guy. Yeah. Well, they were also doing it like, it's okay that they identified the body and then realized later that it was not him. Right. Because I think also it was a murder. So they're still investigating a murder, even if they got the identification (laughs) wrong. So yeah, I don't know where, you know, how much that was like, you know, just kind of 
put it together to make it easier for them to go to Hollywood. Yeah, so we get a little bit of advancement here, but it's, like, actually not that much. We sort of wrap things up where... Like, well, we have to talk about the bowl first. Well, yeah, they go, they talk, they, they actually play the bowl, and there is indeed some, like, Aramaic Yeah, so, yeah, Chuck, Chuck says that there's, um... He discovers voices in Aramaic, one part of the audio, which commands another to rise from the dead. But the first part is the lyrics from I am the walrus, um, plus an allusion to like Paul is dead. Like yeah. <laughs> it says, I, I am the that. walrus, cuckoo, cuckoo, Paul is dead. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Hoffman has like his one and only scene is super. It's weird. weird. Yeah. Cause he's like talking about. Like, oh, I had to become Jesus to write like him. Right. So he's doing all of these forgeries and in doing them felt like he connected with Jesus in a way that he became the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. And he bombed the church to get rid of the forgery that he made. So he is the one that planted the bomb. Nobody else did that. But he did it because he thought that he needed, he was like blaspheming the church because he made the forgery, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, you know, sort of like demoralized from all this, Scully's going to go visit Mulder's house. And it turns out, so I, I'm imagining, I don't know if this was revealed in a previous episode, mm-hmm. but we find out at least in this one, Mulder has a favorite movie, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah, or, I do think I that. I don't know if it's favorite or just like it's the one he's yes, seen the most. it's probably the one he's seen the most, but he's he's always watching weird things. He always is watching a lot of B-movies, but this one is special, right? He says he's seen it 42 times. He can basically repeat it line for line. I mean, he has a little bit of an obsession with aliens. Do you have a movie like that? I don't know. Probably. I think there's ones that are like baked into your gray matter. Like when we watched Austin Powers, you quoted a lot of lines from Well, that. yeah, but that wasn't because I enjoyed it. It was because, I mean, I don't hate it, but it was because my family watched it a lot. Right. So maybe there's that's... no, I, I would have to, maybe like Teen Witch. I've seen so many times that okay, like. So Teen Witch is your plan nine. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and, but Mulder also says that like this is also a thought exercise because yes. it opens up, you know, it's so, <laughs> so bad stupid. that it opens up one half of his brain to like. You know, uh, they say alternate you only, possibility. Yeah, you only use 70% of your brain. This opens up the other 93 because it's just such bad of a movie. It's so dumb. Um, whatever gets you to think, right? If you, if you, some people have to imbibe in substances, some have to watch, you know, Ed Wood movies. Yeah. Anyway, we're off to Hollywood. They're off to, cause they say, look, we have four weeks off. Let's go yeah. watch this movie being filmed just for fun. And remind me, do we find out about O'Fallon and Hoffman at the end of the at episode? At the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we are putting a big pause on that. And again, this is why this episode is a little odd structure wise. Yeah. Like, cause no. there's like something real going on, but like right in the middle of it, we go to Hollywood to like meet Tay Leone and Gary Shanling. <laughs> right. And Gary Shanling specifically asking about which way Mulder's dick orients. Yeah. You had to ask me what that meant, dressing to the left it or the was, right. It was really euphemistic. And I was trying to figure out, like, I it's guess not. I'm, People say it a lot. I've never, no one has ever asked me in my life if I ever dressed left N- or to the right. No, I don't think they do anymore. But I do think in movies, it's often said, like, oh, do you dress to the right? When you're getting a suit tailored, like, that's when you, mm. or, like, if you ever see that in a movie when people yeah, are tailoring I it was suits. It's more so euphemistic of, like, uh, you know, what, what ear do you have the earring on? No, and it's like, let me uh, make sure that we're making the, uh, like, the pants fit right. Yeah, well, Gary Shaling apparently is super method, so he wants to know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> every nitty-gritty about Mulder. Yeah, uh, and Tay Leone just wants to know how to run in high heels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's a funny scene here where one of the zombies 
bites into yeah. Taya Leone's fake shoulder. What is her? What is Taya Leone's shoulder made yeah, out of? He has a meltdown because it's turkey and he's a vegetarian. Half the zombies on this set are vegetarians. This is what are you doing? This is very textbook skewering of Hollywood. Yeah, I thought it was funny though, and I like that he kept saying like, "What is Taya Leone's shoulder I know, made like, out they of?" Specifically kept writing. It's very, it's really funny. I yeah, keep writing like just specifically have to mention Taya Leone's fake shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> the, speaking of funny, this wild bathtub scene. Right. So there's a scene where um, Mulder and Scully are talking to each other on the phone, just like having a night in. And Scully is just like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, you know, just, you know, getting some work done on the computer. And she's like, same. But they're both in a bubble bath, like drinking wine and like having like covered chocolate covered strawberries, like really living up the Hollywood experience. So then Mulder gets a call from Skinner and they they basically make it like a three frame like a three frame shot and Skinner's like also in a bathtub full of bubbles and he's and like he's talking to Mulder and Mulder's like what are you doing he's like oh I'm taking a bubble bath like he didn't lie about it uh, and then Mulder does the classic thing where he thinks he's put him yeah, on he hold goes, he goes, skin man's in the bubble bath and he goes still me Mulder and then he calls Scully back and tells her and then he hangs up on her and he talks to to Skinner again I forget what yeah, they actually I talk about the image of Mitch Pelleggi specifically like uh, the 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 you know it's, it's a nice acceleration of humor. We're like, mm-hmm. Jillian Anderson in the bath. We saw her in that in the very first episode. Yeah. David Duchovny in the bath is pretty funny, but Mitch Pelleggi specifically. Well, and if you notice, like, Dana Duchovny, or Dana Duchovny, um, oh, David ooh. Duchovny and Jillian Anderson both have, like, wine and champagne. Yeah. Like, they're not, you know, they're, like, hanging out in a bubble bath. But if you, if you look at Mitch Pelleggi's bath, it's, like, luxurious. He has, like, four trays of food, like, a big thing of champagne. Like, he's been put up. I mean, listen, I would, too. That's And he's, well, he's a producer. Well, they, they said they gave him an executive producer credit. Exactly, because he was the one that got the hookup. The skin yeah. man got the hookup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... We, we cut now back to the screening. This is right. like a whole media res thing. The and, premiere, yeah. And it turns out the big twist of the film is despite their smoochy smooch, movie Scully is actually in love with... I'm in love with assistant, assistant director, director Walter Skinner. Skinner. <laughs> yeah. And Mulder just walks out. And Mulder just walks out. And, and Mulder, like real Mulder, Mulder's like, can't handle it. He's like, I can't take any more of this. Yeah, it's basically like he realizes that his life's work has essentially been mocked. Well, and I like I like later where Scully like kind of looks over at Skinner and Skinner's like, eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> She's like, I honestly don't care. Do you think he... Po- no, I, I don't think he has that much of a puppy dog crush on Scully no. that he would have like, suggested that. No, no, no. I think he just thinks it's funny. And then... I think Scully's just like, I think this movie is ridiculous and Plus, I don't care. played by Richard Gere, you know? Yeah. Anyway, they're like, they go, she finds Mulder sort of sitting on the graveyard set, which yeah, is fact. confusing. So I guess there was a screening of this on the lot. Or he walked all the way there. Also, why did they not strike the set after the movie premiered? I don't know. Maybe it was like a true screener, like it wasn't a premiere or yeah, something. Maybe there was like a test audience yeah. or something, but... Some bad news. It's good they're sitting in a graveyard. Yes. It's truly grave news. They found out that essentially a little bit of a murder-suicide yeah. going on here. The Cardinal decided to sort of end his feud with Hoffman by killing the real McCoy and then killing himself. Yeah, which is real tough to hear. But um, we also have this weird moment where earlier in the movie, I don't... Earlier in the movie, the episode... David Duchovny or Mulder says something about what he thinks happens after... Um, people come back from the dead. He basically says, I don't think we've seen the whole story about zombies. Like he thinks that first they eat people because they're really hungry. Yeah. Then they do the rest. Then they have fun. They dance and they have sex and they're, you know, laughing and it's all, it's all fun and games. He said, we just don't get to see that. And so uh, 
what inspires i guess that one conversation oh basically Mo- scully tells Mulder to like not worry about yeah, it it's no big deal because Mulder is is basically like i'm super you know, they, bummed they and desensitized my my work and this is gonna be remembered for future generations and scully's like uh, uh you know it's fine Listen. she's like don't worry about it skinner gave me the fbi credit card Let's yeah. go out. And also, I'm in love with him. Uh, so Mulder <laughs> just sort of like, he's eating popcorn out of like what seems to be, is it the it, Lazarus No, bowl? it's the bowl. For, yeah, it's the Lazarus bowl from the movie set. <laughs> and so he's, he's eating popcorn out of it and he just sort of dumps it on a statue. Yeah. And a branch, the wind blows a branch that happens to scratch up against it, much like a needle on a mm-hmm. record player. Yeah. And then brings the dead back to a life. A bunch of zombies. Although get- I don't know if you noticed that Mulder and Scully left holding hands. Aww, so. I did not because there were freaking zombies dance parties happening <laughs> which actually in the if you look anything up about this episode they said this took like the most amount of time like to film because it was like such an elaborate thing why why did they do why this? yeah exactly and i think it was just supposed to put like a little fun little zinger on the end yeah, like, i mean well this is truly an episode where it has you which has you questioning reality in yeah general. the whole time so you're like was the real lazarus bowl but then like what yeah, so, yeah. and also like wait were, were people buried underneath this set specifically yeah i mean i don't know what to tell you about that but they um they do like an entire dance like this yeah. goes on for legitimately two and a half minutes i thought it was gonna be like a quick minute long thing no it goes on forever i don't know why yeah were they maybe they were short on time and they're like oh, all right pad this thing out put more I choreography guess so. into it but i thought it, i mean it's cute it's kind of just like puts it on like a happy note it's a happy note this is a weird episode but like, it's fun it's fun but it also and you like, can't not watch the episode where gary shanling plays Mulder. i know but it's so hot and cold it is hot and cold right? yeah like we go from schlocky movie stuff to like pretty dark complicated yes. case of the week back to schlocky movie and stuff then we end the with end. a murder suicide and then a dance party Yeah, in one scene mm-hmm. within like a three minute period there was information about a murder suicide and then a zombie dance party you know got taken on a ride here at the x-files I, it is truly a ride and i'm grateful for the ride all the same it's just something that i'm still trying to like my brains are still scrambled from the experience don't think too much about it that would be scully's advice yeah i said yeah, like, you're really the scully here like eh, don't worry about don't it. don't worry about it let's go spend some money yeah. there'll oh, be yeah. our own money this time oh well it's okay because we're gonna buy 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 we're gonna buy a ticket to some wrestling in kansas city oh baby and when we come back we're talking from one movie to an episode that has a title of a movie, Fight Club, coming up right after this. We're going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here we come. Is that a song? You never heard that song before? No, but you might also not be doing it credit. I don't know. Hard to say. Wow. Well, I didn't recognize that song because you were so bad at performing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, I don't know that song. Should we? Are we going to fight? We might fight. Yeah, well, I Is guess... Is Kathy I'm, Griffin here? <laughs> that'd be the spirit of this episode, Fight Club. Let me just say right off the top, I think my misgivings about the title were incredibly warranted yeah. after watching it. This has um, nothing to do with the movie. No, no, it definitely doesn't have anything to do with the movie, but it, I think it's just about fighting, and they thought it'd be funny to call it Fight Club. Yeah, so <laughs> I truly think that that's it. Like, I'd rather call it something like, I don't know... When did Fight Club come out? Fight Club came out a few years beforehand. Yeah, because this is it 2000. Was like, it was like late 90s. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, call it like Double Trouble. Doppelganger. Doppelganger, Double Mint Gum. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, 
Mike's upset about that, and I don't think he'll ever it's, get past it's it. It's so cheap for me because I, yeah. I was expecting something, something related, some at least something related, but like l- literally nothing. Well, and I do think you're supposed to at one point think maybe they are the same person. Like I think that there is a, a potential for that, which is uh, a big element of Fight Club. See, I never thought that really because I do think that there that is the intent at some point because it's you're confused. You're like, wait, what's happening here? Is it the same person? Is it not the same person? But you find out that they're just like fraternal twins. But See, that's the thing. Maybe it's because, you know, in the X-Files, we've experienced a storyline where people were clones and yes. looked exactly alike. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't think, I thought there was a chance we could go down that path again. That, well, maybe that's why that was, yeah. even that vague chance yeah, that they like thought when, it'd be. When, so when it opens with Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on the door of one mm-hmm. house and then going three blocks down and knocking on another door and greeted by what looks like the exact same person. I was like, oh, okay, this doesn't make sense, but I guess does in the world of the X-Files. Right, exactly. And I do think there's something to be said as well for, you know, the whole doppelganger thing. There's a lot of, like, mythology about that stuff. So I do think you, maybe you're meant to do that, to think that way right off the bat, too. So Scully's going to talk about that, right? This idea of bilocation, where it's like, oh, someone's double is created to be able to do what that first person cannot do. Well, there's a lot of, like, theories about why doppelgangers exist, if they exist, what they exist for. Like mirror universe, man. Totally. Um, Vampire Diaries. Seen that show? No. Doppelgangers. Yeah, you've told me you told me enough about it though to feel like I'm on like a remedial, uh, casual level with the Vampire Diaries and its various spinoffs. You know what? You might be. I'm, I may be. I may be full up. Don't hate on the VPD. I'm not, but I know all about the adventures of Stefan. Stefan is not the fave. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know I'm a Damon girl. Yeah, Damon is the Ian Summerhalder character. Yes. Okay. <laughs> look very remedial level yes. of understanding. But yeah, so, um, so this is our big weird opening, though, right? Is like yes, not only very strange. Not only are Jehovah's Witnesses are like weird to find out that they were greeted by the exact same person, but then they just start kicking yeah, each other. After butts. they after the second house, they the, she closes the door and they start like beating the crap out of each other, which is not typical for a jehovah's witness type yeah, vibe yeah they're they're more so peace and love and pamphlets right uh, and this is when <laughs> the lady turns around her back has been twisted this entire time and the big stunt casting of the episode is revealed it's kathy griffin yeah so how famous was she at the time of so this suddenly susan was a fairly big show on nbc yeah I, I don't believe it was still running or maybe it was just had just but that's really all she was known for at the time yeah because she was a stand-up she was yeah. one of those people that was a stand-up who made their way into and but i mean it was mu- it was part of the musty tv that's up, true so like she wasn't the figure that she would come to be nowadays though like she didn't well, have like I mean, yeah for different reasons right but she didn't have like the gravitas in, in the zeitgeist so to speak she no, wasn't but, like but somebody that people like, look to no but i think she was like uh you know well known. a well-known comedic okay. actress i'd heard that she basically this was like the lily tomlin thing mm. she was a fan of the show and they wanted oh, to write okay. a part for her i think well good for her i also I, like the x-files i mean i would say that like uh you, you know it was fine for her she was fine it, honestly it, it's not a great episode right it, off the bat we're really gonna i'm gonna say it right now it's not a good episode i think it's purely worth watching for the stunt casting because it's like something interesting to note about your rewatch of the yeah, x-files it, it, well, it's also i think a finger on the pulse of a lot of this stuff like we were just, we were just talking about this last mm-hmm. episode right with like yeah gary shanling and taya leone are names that are being thrown out there here it's like oh kathy griffin is someone who was high profile enough to say right. hey i want to be on the show and they pretty late put in, her, the, put her in the run too or in the main role for this episode doubly yeah. so and i do think the idea of the episode is is a sound one having doubles that when they get close to one another inc- incite like mission 
mischief or violence. Yeah, and this is an interesting thing as well, is because I think for the first little while, and one of the reasons why I was fine with the episode title for a little bit is because it seemed to be really violence-led, right? Like, yeah. people fighting each other. Well, so the first scene after the title is basically, um, we <laughs> we think <laughs> that Scully and Mulder are investigating this Jehovah's Witness thing, and they actually turn around, and it's not them. You got it's- their stunt doubles! Yes, yeah, exactly. And so the person who is playing Scully is Mitch Pledge's wife. Oh, okay, the one. she's Arlene. Yeah, because she's off in the... The secretary. The secretary. Um, and then also Steve Kazak, who is his, David Coveney's actual stunt double. I love that. I love that they like to do that. <laughs> yeah. Of like giving, giving them a little bit of work. Uh, so yeah, cause there's the fun line here of like, oh, everyone has a twin out there somewhere. Yeah. But, and then they come across them and it's just a lot of like people looking like Scully and Mulder this week on, on the Bloom Files. <laughs> yeah. And so, well, here's the thing though, is that like initially we'll talk about this later. Like initially it just seems to be fights, but then later it's like, Things are exploding at the bar. Right. And so when you look up stuff about this episode, I guess this was something that Chris Carter had thought of like way back in the beginning of the series. That was this idea of mismatched twins that when they got close together had like a nuclear reaction around each other. Magnets. Yes. And that if they got too close, like things would like explode and stuff. Um, and so I guess that's where it started and then just kind of like snowballed from there and it's weird the vibe like the violence i could understand i think it's more so when the ground shakes and the the wanton destruction is maybe a little too far out of reach yeah that's almost like the stuff out of their control that they like would just be around each other and it would be too much to handle yeah so now the real Mulder and scully are called in but not because of the jehovah's witnesses incident but because of the scully and Mulder standing yeah Yeah. Mulder and scully essentially like fought each other in the car and crashed their car into Yes. trees and are now in traction exactly and so they're like we need to find out what happened here so they're gonna fiz- visit the first one first kathy griffin her name is betty templeton right we have betty templeton we have lulu pfeiffer and yes. they are living very parallel lives to the point where they both go to apply for jobs at coco's uh, which is a takeoff on <laughs> kinko's Kinko. yeah kinko's still exists i don't think so but yeah, maybe I feel like there's mm, like office max has survived staples, staples ups like all yeah. the other places, but I, I don't think I've seen a Kinko's in quite. No, some I think if you want like a copy shop, it's like a mom and pop copy place, like a printing place. Mom and poppy. A mom and poppy. That's a great name. Uh, so basically, like they they both sort of have parallel scenes where they both apply for these jobs. They have a crazy stacked resume where the implication is that they really have been all over the place and have been all these crazy misadventures because of each other, essentially. Right, that they've been. Ch- Back and forth, following one another across the country and chasing one another. So one will get up to the other one and the other one will run away. And then, you know, so they've she's had 17 jobs in the last like two years and all across the country and all in different types of vocations. And so the guy, the copy shop's like, uh, I don't want to hire you. You don't seem like a good employee. It just so happens that at that one particular Coco's, the copiers all start going crazy. They all start going nuts. Oh, you're hired. You got to start right now. Even though you're not trained. Right. And that's because Lulu also was in the area. Yeah. And I guess whatever. It's like they're so Lulu's the one that gets the job. Lulu gets the first one, and then Betty goes to work at a different Coco's. A different Coco's. She she pulls outside and notices that, like, 
so, like he pulls the help wanted sign out of the mm-hmm. window. And so she's like, all right, I guess I'll go to another neighboring Coco's. Right. Okay. So they both are working at the print shops and but in the same town. Different print <laughs> yeah. shops. Yeah. Very strange. So Mulder and Scully are now going to drop in on, because they have the name Lulu Pfeiffer. Yes. And they're going to drop in on Lulu's former lover, who I will say generously looks like a Geico caveman. Yes. Um, I will also point out that we sort of skipped over this, but in the beginning of the episode with Mulder and Scully, he's going through like a bit of a slide presentation for her. And there's this point where he like does this like guess, like he waits yeah, for her like, to guess it. Basically, he's she's like, oh, I know. She's what playing like X-Files bingo here like, or did Jeopardy or whatever. Charades. Yeah. And so and then she guesses right. And it's actually a very cute moment. It's a fun moment. And some fun banter between them. Where again, like you've been with someone for so long, you know exactly what it is. Well, and you feel a little bit less like I feel like in this episode, at least in the beginning, you feel a little bit more like Scully's like in it, that she's part of it, that she like actually there, is there's like some actual passion there. Yeah. And she's not like over everything that Mulder has been doing, yeah, which, is, <laughs> which nice- is the last couple episodes we've been watching. It's just nice for you to actually see it. It's a nice break in the trend, but things are just about to go loony here. So yeah, let's talk about this. Louie, this, this crow Magnon, right? Like it turns out that he is yeah. a bank robber and a wannabe wrestler. So this is Bert. Burp. The character of Bert. He is an actual like martial artist. Judd Fry in Oklahoma. <laughs> His name in real life is Randall Craig, quote unquote, Tex Cobb. Okay, so maybe he is a wrestler. No, he is. He's a former um, professional boxer who competed in the heavyweight division. Okay. Um, widely considered to possess one of the greatest chins of all time. I, I guess I didn't necessarily <laughs> yeah, notice I, that. Yeah, I guess so. He was... Um, Boxing back in like 1975, though, and then professionally boxing in the 80s. So he's somebody who like this. This is obviously way after he was boxing. Um, Interesting. So basically, you know, he doesn't give any information, but it's clear that he was sort of like running a scheme with Lulu. Right. Mm -hmm. And as he goes to the bar to meet up with her, he actually runs into Betty. And yeah, he's like just confused this entire episode. Complications ensue because (laughs) he thinks that it's Lulu, but it's actually not. Yeah. And so he ends up being just like, I mean, to sum it up throughout this episode, that happens multiple times to him. It's it's like an unintentional farce occurring. Yes. One One is leaving, one is coming. Yeah. He's essentially dating. Well, he eventually does realize it because he's essentially realizing that like he's sleeping with one of them and like the other one will come to the door Mm -hmm. and he has to go through that whole thing of like, oh, she's hiding in the bathroom. Yeah. So strange. Um, and so <laughs> it's just weird. Um, and so they, I guess at this point, he, the whole thing with him is that he is, um, in debt to this guy named Argyle. Which is this, what, like this, this is, I guess guy. he runs a wrestling ring, right? This right? is the guy with like the pork pie hat yes, that they run yeah, yeah, yeah. the wrestling ring. Yeah. And so he's in debt to him. And I guess his name is he- Argyle. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like the guy from Die Hard. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's just what it says. I don't actually remember. Um, that's what the character list says that I pulled up on my phone. Um, and so anyway, he goes, uh, the whole thing that Bert's doing is trying to get money to play in this one last match because he owes this guy so much money. Mm-hmm. And so they are, you know, committing crimes to essentially get that yes. money back. Yeah. And so, you know, again, we're sort of yada yadding over all the far stuff because it is pretty bad. It's pretty bad, yeah. And so eventually he meets his he meets Argyle at the bar, at the mm-hmm. Bargyle. But when that happens, you know, Betty and Lulu happen to show up in the same place. 
And the glass breaks, the glass breaks whatever. He, he gets knocked out, and Argyle makes off with the cash. Makes off with the cash, yep. Um, so... I guess at this point, the investigation is they're going to split up and go like meet each individual person. Right. Now, now they basically feel like, okay, something really weird is going on. This is when they start to realize like the two women are eerily similar and how parallel their lives are. They essentially have all made the exact same choices. Yeah. And Scully earlier in the episode says like they've been following each other for the last like 12 months across the country. Um, and so. Later, or I guess Lulu is the one with Scully and Betty is with Mulder and they're basically like blaming it on one another. They're like, she's causing it. No, she's causing it. Blah, right. blah, blah. There's a, a funny <laughs> moment where Mulder talks to Scully on the walkie talkie and we can say it on this podcast. He says no shit, Sherlock, but they decide to static out the shit. Yeah. Which is a very fun moment. They do it again later on. In the episode. And then there's also a moment where both women pass by each other in a car and Mulder's standing in the middle of them mm-hmm. and he gets sucked into a sewer. Yeah. So the manhole cover blows off like this big pillar mm-hmm. of steam and then it gets sucked back in and Mulder gets sucked along with it into the sewers, I guess, to yeah. become Ninja Turtle. <laughs> yeah, so I guess this is supposed to represent They're that. That they were actually, when they get that close in, um, in proximity, something like this will happen. Like something a little bit more like terrestrial. Well, this is also physically impossible. <laughs> It's, like it's one thing for this to explode. It's another one for steam to blast up, and then to also create a vacuum-like effect to suck someone into the sewer. Okay, physics professor Bloom. That's me. Listen, <laughs> I'm gesturing to my doctorate on the wall and everything. That picture of our dog. It's a dog turret. A dog turret. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, Mulder's in the sewer. <laughs> Meanwhile, Scully is going to go to prison. Yes, she because she to- has like a. She finds well first. She finds out that the girls share the same father. Yes. So she has this like so weird re- discovery DNA stuff. And so she's going to find him. And he may be, I think in the hundreds of episodes I've seen so far, maybe one of the most annoying characters I've ever seen on the episode. <laughs> I find him very funny. Because <laughs> all he does <laughs> is scream. scream. And I'm not talking like... I'm shrieking. just used to it, I guess. I'm just, I do not talk like that. You are so loud <laughs> in her everyday like life. No, this man is <laughs> bellowing. Yeah, so the whole thing with him is that... Like it's Gilbert Gottfried with a megaphone tape. Yeah, and I guess the the... Um, the reason he's in prison is that he is in a perpetual fit of rage due to insanity. That's what Scully says. Right, like he has an anger problem. No, perpetual fit of rage. He's <laughs> insane. Which again, doesn't, I don't think that's right. real. I don't no. think insanity can just make you be angry all the time to Hulk out. But yeah, basically this man, every single line he has is screaming. Yeah. If there was something above all caps, this man would be have his yeah. lines in it. And so we find out that this man um, donated sperm to a sperm bank. Yeah, as he, as he very courteously puts, a Yankee doodled into a plastic cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really like that. I just love that you have a Yankee doodle. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess this is like put two and two together. Scully says, well, if that's their dad, they, there's clearly something wrong yeah, upstairs. Like the, you know, uh, Apple doesn't fall too far from that no. screaming tree. And while she's walking out of the prison, she turns around and she sees somebody who looks exactly like Bert. Exactly. 
Exactly. And, and so it's very, very strange. But um, we go back to the stadium right. where real Bert is supposed to perform. Yeah, and we get a little bit of a scene as well to close off the act where I don't know if it's Betty or Lulu because they both end up I think they both this. do the same thing. Yeah, they both end up essentially forge a bunch of money. Yeah, they, they print a bunch dial. of money. And this is when I asked you in real life if you've ever printed money. I never have. <laughs> never have I, but I just thought like in the 90s, I thought... I remember very clearly my mom yelling at my brother because he thought it would be funny to scan a dollar bill and like print it just because it was like scanners were new yeah. and like he had no intention of doing it. But she was like, no, you can't do that. It's forgery. But like, I don't know who would accept it because it's, it's no, very no, no, and, textured paper. But it's still legal to do. And so she was like, wanted him to know that. But that if you was do it in like okay. a corner of your own home. He was like, what, eight? So like, <laughs> um, but I have this like very, very, you know me. I mean, yeah. anyone yelled at me when I was little and I shriveled up into oh, a ball imagine, and died. Imagine if this guy was your father. <laughs> Wouldn't be bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember everything. Though, yeah. At least. Did we should also talk about here. So Bert's wrestling nickname is just Titanic. Which is funny because his ne- wrestling name in real life is Tex. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I guess Titanic is like, haha, 90s reference. I don't know, he's like a big sh- ship of yeah. a person. But he also, that means he probably goes down pretty easy, I can imagine. Yes. And so, he, he basically is like, the guy's not going to let him do the match because he doesn't have the money. And so, Lulu shows up, one of them shows up with money in a bag. He takes yeah, I think, it, I think, he's going to... I think Betty shows up first. Um, right. <laughs> and so... Uh, and so, as they're wrestling, now Mulder shows up and mm-hmm. is like, you have to come with me. And she's like, I'm watching the fight. Lady, if an FBI person yeah. says, please come with me, you're not, you can't be like, nah, give me like five minutes, please. Right. Because Mulder realizes that they're both there. It's going to be a, a bloodbath because yeah. they're in a, a room where people are like already jazzed by fighting. Exactly. Everyone's going to like freak out. And then also everything stops because the other Bert shows up with right. Scully. Yeah, so Lulu shows up and they're like you. Yeah. And then on top of that, like you said, amplifiers on top of amplifiers Scully walks <laughs> yeah. in for the big like fifth act reveal of oh, there's also this pair of doppelgangers. Mm-hmm. So, um, everyone gets the shit beaten out of them. Yeah, there's one <laughs> moment where everyone was like fighting when the two women showed up. Then Scully walks in with the other Bert mm-hmm. and then the fighting just intensifies. Yeah, and we sort of like um, cut to end of episode where they're explaining what happened. Yeah, they're doing another carousel slideshow. Yeah, and they're kind of going over it and... Um, and they're showing like everyone's mug shots basically reviewing. No, like, they're showing the weirdest slideshow. They're not showing... They show the mug shots right. and then they show like what seemed to be candid photos <laughs> of <all> the- <laughs> Of during the fight would seem to be just stills uh, that were taken by a PA on set like yeah like and why would someone be there taking Also why would they, why fighting? would you need to show those in a in a carousel but anyway uh, we also pan to Mulder and Scully and they're uh, beaten up and yeah. stitched up and yeah, Mulder in particular I think has his jaw wired shut or like it's so swollen that he can barely talk. he does he has it wired shut so, yeah, so that's a little bit of like a fun womp womp and yeah. a little bit of like a, a sad ending for the two of them that they got roped yeah this. but yeah this was well Hollywood AD was maybe weird good this was definitely weird bad well and so there are some things that I read about that Ooh. um that while Carter was writing this, he was also writing the pilot script for the Lone Gunman spinoff. Okay. And so he was a hot mess. 
and it's reflected in this episode. Yeah, so I think this is one that could have definitely used a few more passes. Yeah, you know, and he felt that the episode had an odd tone. It felt, like, very wild and out of control. I mean, it literally was. I know that that was supposed to be the onus of, like, the... the to an extent. Itself, I don't like, think the episode was meant episode to be, like... The episode itself was just... Oh, uh, <laughs> and it wasn't, like... Unable to understand. It wasn't, like, the Storm King episode, which is, like, a little yeah. OTT as well. That felt very baked into its own sort of little world. This one did. Mm-hmm. This just felt just wackadoo. Right. And also read a fun fact about the guy who played um the dad, the screaming dad, that he during the rehearsals for his scene, he purposely kept his voice down to prevent himself from getting a headache. And he remembers that he the um the director wanted to be screamed during rehearsal and he was like, look, you don't understand. If I do this, I will have a headache. Like yeah. And I've, I will be I've, out of here. No, I've heard instances. I have not got to the place. I guess I'm I'm immune to my own poison in that regard. <laughs> like where people have been so loud that like they've given themselves headache from screaming so much. I mean, I get headaches from noise. Like yeah. I'm well, I suffer from chronic but, migraines, but so that's like, neither here nor there. Like the noise as well. Yeah, interesting thing. Like you are yelling so much that even your own inner ear is Can't like handle no it. more, please. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's, that's that it. Uh, let's talk some spooks here. Who are you spooking? For well, these two apps? I think we have to spook the screaming dad at the yeah. Oh, screaming the second- dad is, is one of, spooky. Oh, so sp- screaming. So spooky. Sp- Hollywood spooky I'm gonna give it to the dancing zombies. <laughs> I'm going to give it to the cigarette smoking pontiff. <laughs> I mean, it was like a very small cameo, but I love that idea. Yeah, and that guy. uh I noted is the actor who plays Geppetto in Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. Previously podcasted here on the Rob Has Podcast Post Show Network. Post Show Recaps Network. Exactly. Was that English? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Where am I? (laughs) Oh, no. The headaches. They're coming on again. (sighs) All right. So this was... For two very irregular episodes of The X-Files, this was our last regular week for Season 7 because next week... Gonna be a shorter one. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a good one. We are just watching season seven, episode twenty-two, the season seven finale, Requiem. Requiem. No. Oh, <laughs> Williams isn't in this one. Unfortunately, not. Um. So you know, I feel like we've done a lot in season seven. We so I'm have excited been here to kind for of about like two months, roughly. But I, it was a great episode. So yeah. Yeah. So anything you want to say about Requiem? I'm assuming arc focused. Um. Yes. Arc focused. Um, definitely mythology focused. I like it. I mean, it's something that like, you know, I feel like is a good episode. And I would also imagine. So at this time, did they still not know that they were being picked up? Like, is this one of those could reasonably be a series finale type of finale? Honestly, I don't remember, but maybe. All right. Well, we shall all find out next week as we watch season seven, episode 22, Requiem. If you have any thoughts about these episodes, you know what to do. Bloomfilesaposhorecaps.com. Xfilesaposhorecaps.com. Don't just scream them into the void. That'll give yourself a headache. Uh, you can also tweet us at Ange Pelagi, at a Mike Bloom type, at Post Show Recaps, as well as check out all the other great stuff going on when Post Show Recaps as well. Thank you all so much for listening. Special thanks to Corey B for his fantastic theme song. We'll be back next week talking the season seven finale, Requiem. Until then, case closed. <laughs>